Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson talking NC State because it is officially hate week, you guys. The Heels have a chance to... I mean, let's not mince words here. Basically make something of their season uh, playing against the Wolfpack on Saturday. So let's start there. And EJ, going to go to you first for this one, man. Do you think that this year's game against the Wolfpack means anything different as opposed to like former years? I mean, the game is always one that the players and fans get up for. But in this situation... Do you think that it has possibly more importance or a little bit less importance than maybe your average rivalry game? I definitely think it has about the same amount of importance, but that just speaks to the magnitude of the importance of this game. I mean, this is a game that you you look forward to all four years of your career. It doesn't really matter what your record is. We could be undefeated right now. We couldn't have won a game, which we pretty much almost did. But uh, coming to this game, you're always going to be hyped and you're always going to be amped up for it. Uh, I guess people may say it's an important game, uh, just kind of referencing Fedora's uh, job and his uh, basically his grace around the program. But I don't think that one win would be enough to sway any decision that the administration is going to make about his future uh, coaching the team. But I definitely think that it's the same amount of importance that it always is. It's about dominating your in-state rivals. It's about having something to talk about on the recruiting trails. I mean, we we didn't uh, beat ECU. We didn't have a chance to beat Duke. So I think that we do need to save a little face as a program and defeat at least one of our in-state rivals just for the basis of recruiting. And just looking at our team, recruiting is something that we're really going to have to focus on in the offseason. So I think winning this game uh, and in in the season on a positive note, one of the few positive notes will springboard us into the off season, uh, which uh, just entails recruiting and spring ball. So I, I do think it's an average level of uh, importance, but I think the game is always important no matter where we stand as a team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on the scale from one to 10, you know, this game is always like a nine to, to a nine and a half. But Mike, what's your take? I mean, do you think that this year, you know, given how bad Carolina is, would the win over NC State mean more, you think? Or would it just be kind of like, well, they beat us, you know, it is what it is. It would be a nice feather in the cap, but this is a have-nothing-to-lose kind of game. Um, you know, we haven't – we've struggled with State, you know, in the last few years, and I don't see – and that was with teams that I think were um, – well, objectively were more successful than this team um, for whatever reason, whether that's, you know, player you know, personnel or staffing or whatever. So it would be a nice consolation to beat NC State this year. Um, it would be nice to put a dent in their season the way they used to put dents in ours. But in terms of what we'd actually gain from it, I, I don't I don't know if there's much to gain uh, outside of a moral victory. But, I mean, who cares? 
about moral victories. Um, so yeah, I mean, I need to go out there and try to win the game. I mean, but this is this is a lost season, and uh, you know, one that you know it would be better if it didn't. You know, maybe maybe if it didn't happen. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the results are from this season. What ends up transpiring as a result of this. But yeah, I mean, beating state would be nice. But it's you know, it, it, at this point, um, at this point, there's bigger decisions that need to be made, and and I think more important things happening behind closed doors. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, and we'll talk about that next week when we do our postseason review pods. So, guys, let's talk about what the Heels can do to try to win this game. Mike, let's stick with you here. If Cade Fortson is available, do you think that he should be the starting quarterback for this game? No, because NC State's going to go after his um, – they're, they're, they're going to go after whatever injured body part he has, which I'm sure is more than – and it's just being let on um, and state will most likely have an idea of what that is. So um, state's very good about finding out that sort of information when it comes time to play Carolina. Um, I don't want to say they have spies, but they have spies. <laughs> and, um, no, I, I don't, I don't think the kids should play uh, at least, you know, unless, unless it looks like the game's getting out of hand, they've thrown in their backups. Um, you know, at that point, at that point, the kids should get a shot, but, I wouldn't want to throw him out there to the wolves, no pun intended, um, just because there's development that needs to happen with him in the off season, and that development's going to be delayed if he's uh, if he continues to be injured going into the off season program. There's there's just no there's no reason for that, and this is not this is not a game that we need to win to go to a bowl game. Um, there's really nothing going to come out of this, so we need to stick with the people who got us here, and you know roll the ball out and see what happens. All right, what about you, EJ? Would you? Go ahead and roll with Fortin or stick with the current quarterback, Nathan Elliott. I would definitely stick with Nathan Elliott. I mean, like Mike said, there's no point in, in putting Cade out there and, and putting him at risk uh, for worsening whatever injury he's already dealing with. Just send him into the – let him keep healing and get him ready for spring ball because, I mean, from what I have saw, uh, we're definitely going to have some healthy quarterback competition uh, next year, and I think that he may end up being the guy that comes out at the end and uh, leading this team next year. And I, I, I say that with the healthy Chaz Surratt. I mean, he just – just based on what have you done for me lately, he's shown the most to me out of uh, every quarterback that's been back there this year. So I don't think that they should just throw him out there for the sake of throwing him out there. Yes, we want to win this game. Yes, we want to end this season on a high note. But at the end of the game, end of the day, we're talking about a kid's career, and I don't think that it's worth putting him out there and uh, further injuring whatever he's, uh, whatever's going on with them now. Uh, like Mike said, there may be some things that they're not reporting that may be going on with them. But uh, NC State's going to come out there. This is a rivalry game. Uh, they're notoriously nasty. So they are going to attack whatever's hurting him. So I, I don't think that it's worth the risk. All right, then what about on the defensive side of the ball, EJ? Because NC State this year, they have their quarterback, Ron Finley, who is going to really challenge the heels vertically especially. Do you think that Carolina should try to maybe switch things up and you know possibly just go for broke and really try to send extra guys, make Finley uncomfortable? Because as Greg Barnes said in his podcast with Tommy Ashley earlier this week, you know his his completion percentage drops from like seventy something to almost fifty percent if he's under pressure, but that it would leave Carolina secondary exposed. You know, is it pick your poison or do you think just go out guns blazing for this one? 
I say go out guns blazing. I mean, our secondary has shown that they can hold up. They 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 flashed every every different game. We've always had a flash of greatness or a flash of at least adequacy from someone in that secondary, whether they either coming up with a big interception, a big pass deflection, a big tackle, or or just overall had a sound game technique wise. So if those guys in the secondary can can throw some of those flash games and some of those flash plays together for a whole game, I definitely think that we should sit in the house. I mean really what do we have to lose i think that this game should be fun i think that they should go out there and they should definitely try to win for the seniors and for the team and just to end this thing on a positive note but at the end of the day if if it's proven that he's dramatically a a dramatically less accurate uh, passer when you pressure him i say pressure him i say try to make some big plays i say try to make something happen i mean one thing this year that we have done we played sound defense at times we've been really bad at times we've been really good i'm disappointed in 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 the defense but i would say that they had a good season this year so i say send them out with a bang send some pressures change it up a little bit and, and go for broke i mean there's there's nothing left to lose there's no bowl on the line and the worst thing that can happen is that we lose the game we end the season uh, two and nine. The best thing that can happen is in NC State's uh, season on a, a negative note, and maybe kind of knock them down on the tier of the, the level of tiers of bowl that they would have for this year. So I say go for broke. All right, Mike. What about on the offensive side, man? Are you are you wanting to maybe see Carolina just run those trick plays, run an onside kick like they did against Western Carolina, and basically pull everything out of the bag? Because, like EJ said, at this point, what's there to lose? First off, EJ makes a great point, and I want to go ahead and backtrack on something I said earlier. Um, you know, this the impression of what I said earlier can be taken as um, there's no point in trying going out there and trying to win this game. You know, who cares? That's not that's not what I mean, and and, and I and I, I apologize for coming off that way. And the, and the reason why it's important that I clarify that is that EJ makes a great point. There are seniors on this team who have done a lot for this program, and they deserve to go out with a win. And that is a, that is why you should that this. Coaching staff, the players, everybody should be going out. And they're not they're – not, no one is going out there not trying to win the football game. But there should be some there should be some extra emphasis put on this game because this is going to be the last game of the season. This is going to be the last game of a lot of these guys' careers uh, who are seniors. And they deserve to go out on a high note. And they should go out on a high note because they've – this senior class has been through some really high highs and clearly this year has been through some really low lows. And having run the gambit of success here in Chapel Hill, they deserve to go out with a good feeling. They, they deserve to go out with a good taste in their mouth. So what do we need to do to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, go ahead and pull it all out of the bag. Because at this point, um, you can't, you're not going to a bowl game. There's nothing to hide. There's no reason to hold anything close to the vest. Um, if, if you have stuff, if you have trick plays, you have certain formations, you have play calls that you haven't used this year at all or haven't used as much as you'd like, yeah, they're, they're consider them saved up and go ahead and go for a broke this game. Um, but we need to go ahead and have a game plan, which I'm sure the coaches will, where we stay on schedule early and we try to, we still try to be good at our bread and butter stuff, the stuff that we're typically good at, that we can be successful at, that we can gain yards and score points and then sprinkle in some of that other stuff that we have. We've been holding close to the best. We had it in the bag. Go ahead and throw that stuff out. See if we can get, steal a few extra points, steal a few extra touchdowns, that sort of thing uh, with those types of plays. But that's, yeah, if that's going to be the the gap filler and what would otherwise be a good game plan, right? And uh, in, in, in executing that game plan as close to perfect as you possibly can. If you need those trick plays and stuff as a gap filler, throw them in there. Don't hold anything back because these seniors deserve a win. They deserve to go out with a win. They've earned it. 
They have. So let's go ahead and keep this conversation going here in a little bit, but let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Heels Travel. They are a valued IC podcast sponsor, and earlier in the year, they received rave reviews for their travel package for the UNC versus Cal game earlier in the fall. If you missed out on that one, you still had the chance to book your package with Heels Travel because they are selling one to go see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. To book that package, you can call 336-855-0060 to book, or you can visit HeelsTravel.com. Now, that trip includes round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport, and a two-night stay in the Omni Chicago. It's right on Michigan Avenue in downtown Chicago, and it's also the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying. That's a pretty cool experience for you and the family. So that price and inclusions are offering at the Omni Chicago are even less than if you booked it directly. It's going to be a great chance to see your Tar Heels take on an opponent on a big stage and explore a great city right around Christmas time. So again, call 336-855-0060 to book or visit HeelsTravel.com. That's 336-855-0060 or visit HeelsTravel.com to book today. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson talking NC State. So we left off before we went into commercial break talking about, you know, Carolina just kind of leaving it all out there on the field for this one. Let me ask you guys this because it's something that we've discussed a little bit in past podcasts, but the Wildcat formation with Anthony Ratliff Williams heading that one. Carolina ran it, I think I recall, two or three times against Western Carolina. Looked like they they may have been practicing that a little bit more. So, EJ, if you are the NC State defense and all of a sudden Carolina comes out with that Wildcat formation, you mentioned before that that could really throw them out. You know, is that something that if you're their coordinator, you have to be preparing for at this point and it might even cause you a little bit of worry? Yeah, you absolutely have to worry about it. And I would be worried about it as a defensive coordinator simply for the fact that we were just disgusting. Like, we're – they. Carolina's going to throw it. We're going to throw it all out there. We're going to throw everything at them but the kitchen sink because we have to sell out this game. We have to sell out for the seniors. We have to sell out to end this game on a strong note, in the season on a strong note. So I definitely think that he should be worried about it. I mean, we didn't see any pass or anything like that, but we know that he's capable of doing that. And we know with a whole week to prepare and, and kind of focus on this, focus on running the Wildcat, there's going to be some intricacies uh, with it that we didn't get a chance to see last week that I'm hoping that we really see uh, this week. I really just want to see them come out there and, and try something different on offense and defense just to kind of ha- have something to, be, to feel positive about, not only as a team, but as fans. I mean, we want to support these guys and we talk every Every week, uh, especially me saying how, how bad I want these guys to win and kind of turn it around. But the season, I mean, there's nothing really to save or salvage from the season other than going out on a strong note. I mean, one thing I will say is that this team never gave up and they always played with class. They always had, held their heads high. So I think that they need to go out and, and execute this on Saturday and put up a good performance against NC State. But the Wildcat is something that I definitely want to see. I was excited. It, it was kind of funny when I saw it the first time uh, watching the game, uh, but it's definitely something that I, I want to see, and I think that it's something that we can excel at, and, and shoot, why not? Why not try it? <laughs> All right, Mike, let's get your thoughts, man. What do you think about the wild, that Wildcat formation? 
Well, I've always been a proponent of it with Anthony Ratliff Williams specifically because he was a quarterback in high school. He was a good quarterback in high school. The kid can throw the ball. Um, he knows how to read defenses. So it's not a typical – it's not like having Patrick Williams back there running the Wildcat, right? Um, or, or who was it? Was it Ronnie Brown with the, with the Dolphins? Yeah. Was the, the original Wildcat was Ronnie Brown with the Dolphins? Ronnie Brown wasn't throwing the football, man. He was just taking the direct snap, and now you had 10 blockers for 10 guys – Whereas you would normally lose two, you'd be nine on eleven because one of because the tenth guy is the quarterback, the eleventh guy is the ball carrier, right? That's what made the Wildcats successful early on when the Dolphins were running it a few years ago, um, and it became popular. But what really makes the Wildcats successful is if you have a guy who is a freak athlete like like Rat, and you got to worry about him running the ball because if he breaks it, he breaks it and he's gone. But he's also capable of throwing the ball, and he's more than competent with a football in his hands. Uh, and looking downfield vertically to, to complete a pass. He's, he's, he's more than capable, more than competent to be able to do that. So that's a legitimate – that should be a legitimate worry for the NC State defense, NC State's defensive staff, um, if Carolina decides to roll out and make that a heavy part of their game plan. So, yeah, I, I, I endorse it 100%. I, I have – we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I think, it's, I think it's great. And by them running it against Western, I think that's an indication that they wanted to get game reps at it in a low-pressure situation. Uh, to see if they if, see if it could work, and I mean, from what I saw, it looks it looks workable. Uh, you, it's it's serviceable for this game certainly. Now you mentioned earlier, you know, that NC State has their spies, so I'm sure Carolina, if they're going to be breaking that out, you know, there's it's going to be under very tight lock and key. You know, how much really kind of subterfuge goes into this NC State versus Carolina game? Because there's that infamous story of. ECU sending guys to go sit in the law school and watch practice. But what about NC State, Mike? Like, are you talking from some personal experience there? Well, it wasn't, uh, as I understand it, it wasn't ECU. It was NC State that was sitting in the law school library overlooking the Navy practice fields and videotape and practice. Oh, okay. Um, I might be wrong on that. I always thought it was ECU. That was either 2004 or 2005 um, that they came, that, that they did that and they got caught. And that's actually why now there's, um, there's big mechanical shades in the law school library and some things that kind of block obstruct the view out to the, to the football practice fields. Um, it, it's, it was, it was interesting seeing that when I was over there and uh, cross-referencing it against that story. But um, no, I mean, there's, there's just it, players talk. There are, uh, uh, there are state fans who live amongst us in Chapel Hill <laughs> And, um, and, and, and things always, you know, things always tend to get back, you know, the, the, the state, the NC state fan base, they don't wear coaching gear. They, they obviously don't work for the staff. They're unidentifiable otherwise, um, except on game day when they've got their red shirts on. So it's, it, it, it is not, it would not be the first time that a state fan had seen practice, gained access to some inside information, uh, who lives here in Chapel Hill. And then relayed that back either through a message board or through a back channel or through a friend who knew a coach and got that information to the staff. It, it wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Let's just put it that way. Um, and if if that's the sort of thing that happens this year, then it happens this year. I don't, frankly, and I know this this sounds negative, Nancy, but I don't know why state would waste its time with that or state fans would waste their time with that this year. I don't know why they'd. If I'm NC State, I'm not taking this game very seriously, which plays in our advantage because. Obviously, if we catch State slipping, then we catch them slipping. But um, if I'm NC State, I'm frankly looking past Carolina this year, just because this is this is not one of the premier Carolina teams they've ever played, um, and I don't I don't know that from a success standpoint, 
um, we're much better than the 2006 NC State squad. If it were us facing us, I would approach us the way that I think we approached the 06 NC State squad. Just not not really on the same level talent-wise, recruiting, or, or schematically. 06 was Russell Wilson's freshman year. No? It was would have been his true freshman year, but he EJ remind me who that quarterback was. It was some white kid, uh, some skinny white kid. I don't remember his name. I I really don't remember his name, but I I know who you're talking and that tells, about. And that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah those those years where NC State had that, and they had Russell Wilson. Like I'll never forget the play that that Wilson threw it out of bounds, and I forget which secondary player it was, but batted the ball down directly into the hands of the NC State wide receiver for a touchdown. That was that was 2010. That was my senior year. Thanks for bringing that up. That was right after Kevin Reddick had gotten spit in the face mm-hmm. um, and they threw the flag on Kevin Reddick. Yeah, even though on slow-mo you could like see the loogie. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good segue into talking about some of the on-field and off-field antics. Let's take another quick commercial break and then let's get into that stuff. Are you heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game? Stop by one of the Jersey Mike stores in and around the Chapel Hill to get a delicious sub sandwich. Now there are five locations to choose from. The best thing is that if you use the code HEELS15, you get 15% off of your online order. Now that is good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations. It's an online code only. So this is how it works. You go to jerseymikes.com slash order or use the Jersey Mike's app and click the location nearest to you. Choose your order, pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter HEELS15 and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and then you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember the code HEELS15, order online, and pick up your sub. That's HEELS15. All right, we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. So, Mike, you know, before we went to break here, you mentioned the now pretty infamous spitting with Kevin Reddick and he took, you know, uh, absolute offense to that, like he should, and end up getting a flag. Let's talk about some off-field stuff, though, guys. Before we get those on-field stories, EJ, what is one kind of memory that you recall where you know Carolina may some players may have mixed with some NC State guys, or you know y'all kind of messed with them a little bit in some way, or tried to maybe you know, just really get in their heads before the game. What do you recall from that, man? I don't really think that we necessarily tried to get into their heads. I mean, we we wore so, we went into it like a, a war mentality. I mean, we were ready for battle. We were anything that we wanted to do to get into their heads, we were going to do on the field. I mean, of course, we were extra chippy. Uh, if, if we had an offensive lineman and we had control of them, even if we weren't making a play, we were trying to dump them on his head. So I think more so our getting to their head was a super uh, aggressive play. Uh, sometimes that got us in trouble and opened us up for some big plays, but we weren't really into the mind games and the pettiness of it. I think that we we nec- we looked at it more so as an on field rivalry. I mean, like like we mentioned in previous podcasts, the off the field stuff that was more so with Duke because we felt like that was more of a sibling rivalry. But um, 
NC State had been getting the best of us in the past, so we went into that with the soldiers mentality. I mean, there was, there was an extra level of focus during the week. Uh, we were so focused on the game that we really, really didn't have time to come up with things to try to get in our heads. We were really trying to beat them physically uh, up and down the field. Uh, no matter what, if, if, if we win or lose that game, our, our goal and our mindset was to go out and beat them physically to the point where they remember that they played Carolina. Oh, come on, man. There wasn't any time where like someone made a Facebook post or you know, word came through the grapevine that so-and-so on NC State was running their mouths and that kind of got you guys fired up. No, I mean, honestly, we, we really, I honestly, we, that, that's how much that we, that's how much disdain we had for them. There was no intermingling because if, if the messages had to start relaying, we hated them and still hate them so much that I think that some of that stuff would have got taken off the field. And that's kind of why we avoided some of that <laughs> stuff. And, and, and that's the God on his truth. Mike can, Mike can tell you, like a lot of the guys that we had on our team, they were, they had pretty clean cut images, but I mean, these were guys who weren't who wasn't playing and, and the way our mindset was as a team and how close we were it could have been somebody from the somebody from their defense saying something about someone on our offense and next thing you know half the teams in Raleigh and we really didn't need that so we like I said we tried to reserve all that stuff for the field all right Mike jump in here man what about the off the field stuff then with NC State what's your take I mean I never I, I, EJ put it perfect I never tried to give them bulletin board material. Um, you know, I, I, I tended to let state do the talking. And I remember, I mean, Willie Young was really good at that. And he started it during ACC media days in the summertime, uh, going into 2010, he was talking about Carolina back during the media days. And I just, I remember reading that stuff. I remember seeing the, the kind of things that coaches call, I just referenced it, but coaches call it bulletin board material, the sort of stuff that coaches take, they clip it out of the newspaper and they put it on the bulletin board right outside the locker room. And it's supposed to fire you up. They did plenty of that. We were advised and we do, and we knew better already without being told to not do stuff like that. We just kept our mouths shut and we, we, we focused on the game. And that was, that was, that was everything. That was everything we spent every waking minute on during state week was focusing on beating NC state, not just beating them by a point, but trying to beat them soundly. Now, obviously when I was there, we had our, we had our, our, our problems with state, but, but some of those games were, were much more lopsided in our favor than they seemed. Um, and I've said this before, I have rarely, if ever, and will ever blame uh, refereeing on the outcome of a game. But there are two games against NC State that I explicitly, to the day I die, will blame Ron Cherry for. Period, hands down, 2009 at NC State. Uh, that game was won. We were up by 10 that entire game, and all of a sudden random flags started coming out. We were getting penalized for all kinds of stuff. Uh, personal and not just little penalties, big penalties from the very beginning. Um, uh, personal fouls that when you throw on the film, they didn't exist. There was nothing happening. Um, and then 2010, same sort of deal. Um, Kevin Reddick getting spat on uh, right in front of the ref. It was obvious. No human being on earth would have missed that. And Kevin reacts as he should have reacted. And instead of just breaking it up and moving along, they threw a flag on us at home. Um, that kept the drive alive. And then there were several other random personal fouls, random holding calls, and then things that weren't called on their behalf. And I just don't understand. I never understood what the home cooking was. I understand Ron Cherry's ties to NC State. Um, I tried to convince myself that that wasn't really what was going on. But as I get older, that's the only that's the, those those two football games are the only football games I've ever played in my entire life where I feel where, where I can honestly blame referees for it. Um, the only other game I've seen Carolina play in that I'll blame refs for is the ACC championship game. 
Um, it, that the you know drive drive killing, momentum killing, game killing, onside kick snafu. Outside of that, I don't blame referees, but there's something about the NC State game that brings out the worst in the players. It brings out the worst in the referee crews, and you know it, that that that's where we are. But we never tried to put bulletin board material out there for them. We let them do all that and try to take it out on them on the field. And I feel like despite the scoreboard, um, there was more than one occasion where we did that. There was more than one game where we were the we were the aggressor, we were the more physical team, and we just came out on the wrong side of you know, certain factors playing certain ways. Yeah, I distinctly remember during the, I think it it was that 2009 or maybe it was the 08 game, Mike, that during several of those scrambles by Russell Wilson, I mean, they always say on the offensive line, if you're not holding, you're not trying. But, you know, they were putting Carolina players in headlocks. EJ, let's get your thoughts on that. Did you ever get the feeling, you know, that on some of these games – even though you guys were jacked up and trying to give it your all, that just the referees were really not cooperating and maybe were calling it a little bit different between the two sides? 2009 NC State game. I mean, that that game was absolutely terrible. We had two phantom calls of pass interference, both on Kendrick Burney, one on uh, Charles Brown, and one of them actually led to the, the touchdown that, they won the game by one point. So I think that every time we play NC State, the, ref- the the officials are absolutely horrible towards one side or another. I mean, there have been times when we've gotten some calls that we shouldn't have gotten, but it all depends on who the home team is. And God forbid that we have to play a game with Ron Cherry at home against NC State, then we know we're doomed. But there's definitely uh there was definitely a, a noticeable difference in the way the games were officiated. And, and it was very inconsistent. And that, that's what I didn't like about it. Like if you're gonna let stuff go all around, let it go. But don't uh ignore when when some one player gets hit late after a play, and then in the moment in the game, a defining moment in the game, you wanna make that same call. That's where I think it becomes a disadvantage. And then I definitely I noticed that way more than any other game I think that I've ever played in was that the the worst officiating ever was the 2009 uh, game against NC State. Yep, and unfortunately, because I was there right when you guys were 05 to 09, four straight years, NC State beat Carolina. It was pretty miserable. Uh, The worst was at, what, 45 to 10? I think that was 06, or was that 05? 41 to 10, it was 07. 08, 08. 08, 08. Okay. freezing cold. Yeah, where our sideline was in the shade and theirs was in the sun. Yeah, that I remember going into that game and I was so cold that my legs were cramping up. That that was a low point right there, even amidst what was a pretty good season that year overall. But give Fedora some credit. His teams at least initially did come out. He beat State a couple of times. But I think recently here, what you've seen, in my opinion, and I want to get y'all's thoughts on this is that Carolina has not seemed over these last two or three years to match the intensity of NC State. And that's one thing that I do remember with those Butch Davis teams. You know, Butch preached, you know, treat every game like it's the same and don't really get too amped up or not. But I just seem to recall, aside from that, you know, the the blowout game there, that, yeah, those were hotly contested games. Larry Fedora had the blowout in 2015 at NC State. But since then, the tables have kind of turned. What's y'all's thoughts on you know the Tar Heel mentality against the Wolfpack right now? And if it is low, how does that change? Mike, let's get your thoughts first. Well, it's it's tough to have and play a game against a team that you've blown out uh, the year before that is just athletically, schematically, from a program standpoint, 
inferior to you. Um, that, that's that's hard. That's hard. That's hard to get up. That, that's a hard game to get up for. Um, and and you saw that it it ended up it affected us in 2016. It's affected us in 17, and hopefully it won't affect us this year. Um, but there's been a gradual decline, at least in the. Um, I don't want to say attention to detail, but the focus for this game, it seems from the outside looking in. Now, I'm not going to accuse the players. Again, I'm not saying nobody's going out there trying to lose the game or not trying to win the game. But there seems to be, come kickoff, not the same emphasis on this game as there was with us. And that, and that's and that's unfortunate because it's coming from, you know, there seems to be less emphasis coming from a program that's had success against State in the last few years um, versus us who had, you know, we had, Outside of 2006, I had no success against NC State. Maybe some of that is because there is so much emphasis and so much focus on beating State throughout the week that by the time you get to the game, you've already shot your wad, right? You, you've already you've worn yourself out emotionally. You're just fatigued, um, and maybe that plays into it. But there does ha- there seems to have been a decline. I think you spotted that correctly. There seems to have been a decline in the intensity, and the focus and the general general game plan execution, uh, fundamentals, scheme, things like that uh, against this, against NC State in, in recent years since 2015, at least the last two games, that, that seems to be lacking. So I don't know what needs to happen to turn that around. But, you know, being a whip dog for a couple of years should be enough to, um, to, to make you come out with your hair on fire. And hopefully that's what we'll see uh, this weekend. Let me ask you this then, EJ. The fans always, you know, shout out from the stands, and you see it on the message boards is, oh, well, the coach just needs to challenge their manhood, you know, for whatever that means. But do you think that this is maybe a game where the coaches probably do need to maybe look at the at the players and say, look, you guys, this is it as far as what we can play for for this season because there's no bowl game. This is the seniors' last chance to play in Keenan Stadium. Do you think that anything like that could happen? And if it does, would it really even impact or change anything? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it was a manhood check because I believe that anybody that's out there in a uniform playing on Saturdays or whenever the games are held is a man. But fortitude check, definitely. I mean, big time. I, I definitely think that. He should go out there and challenge him. But I, I honestly, looking at this team this year, I don't think the fortitude is a problem. Like I said, I haven't I, – I can't really recount a game where I could say that team really quit on us. There's been games where they've been really bad and they've had low energy, but I, I can't really say this team's quit. So I don't think that they need a, a, a fortitude check. I think that they just, they just need to – it just needs to be laid out there. Look, we haven't – the co- coach Fedor needs to be honest with him. Well, this has not been a good season for us, but wouldn't it feel good to go into offseason knowing that you've beat a rival that's that is has a, having a fairly decent season that has been gotten the better of us over over the past few years? So I definitely think that they he there's certain things that you can do to get them up, but I don't think their fortitude or their manhood needs to be tested because I don't see where that was lacking. I don't see where our team's lacking heart. We're lacking in discipline, execution, and in some places talent, but I don't think that fortitude is a place where this team needs to be challenged. I, I think that they, they've shown enough to me to believe that they are going to go out here and fight for this game. And I think that if 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 the, the stars and the moon is aligned, I think that we have a chance to win this game. Yeah, I think ECU in the second half was probably the only game that you can – 
say that the players just look like they wanted to get on the bus and, and go back home. Since then, you know, they've really tried, even against Miami in a blowout. You know, it's not like the defense just gave up. The offense just kept on putting them in terrible positions. So to you guys, what's going to be the driving force if Carolina is going to come out with a win tomorrow? Players or coaches? And let's go ahead and end the podcast on this one. So, Mike, start with your thoughts, man. Well, I mean, listen. So, as I said, do you want me to, to, rephrase, to rephrase the question a little bit there to make it a little bit more coherent? Yeah, please. All right. So, do you think that if Carolina is going to win, it's because the coaches maybe called like the game of their lives or that the players just went out there and executed everything perfectly and had that level of intensity that you think they need against NC State? Coaches don't win games, players win games. And every single play is designed to score and every single play is designed to score points. So if you go out on offense and you execute everything perfectly and you execute it all to a T, you're going to win the game because the game plan works. Every Division One football coach, every offensive coordinator and head coach and defensive coordinator is capable of drawing up a game plan that will win the game. It's on the players at that point to take their coaching and go out and win um, and execute the game plan and, and do things necessary to be successful at the end of the game. And and to ultimately end with one more point at least than the other team. So if they go out and they 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 win all three phases of the game, they win offense, defense, special teams, um, if they're able to, again, we've talked about this in the past, but if they're able to block a kick in the kicking game, score in the kicking game, score a defensive touchdown, win the turnover battle, some combination of that, and score more times than not on their possessions, then, yeah, Carolina is going to win the game. That would be a perfectly executed game plan. Um, if they fall short of that, they might fall short on the scoreboard. But again, I, I think you're going to have a group of seniors that's going to come out here so fired up, ready to win a game um, and beat NC State and go out on a high note that you're going to see a slightly different attitude. You're going to see a little it's going to be a little amped up. And I would be I would be very surprised if we didn't see that. Um, I expect the seniors to come out ready to play. And that that attitude will be infectious throughout the whole locker room. All right, EJ, go ahead and take us home man. final thoughts. Players, you know, is this is it really on them? Like Mike just said, yeah, it's definitely on the players. I mean, it's always on the players. No matter what you're talking about, the players are going to be the ones that go out and execute that game plan. A coach can write the perfect game plan, but if you have players that aren't going to execute or players that aren't talented enough to fulfill the goals of that game plan, then it's not going to work. And on this other token, a coach can have a a bad game plan, but if the players are on that day and everybody's feeling it and everybody's working in unison and as long as everyone is on the same page, I feel like you can get any game plan to work unless you're just completely out of position. So it's going to take uh, these seniors to go out and uh, play and play for pride. This game Saturday is about pride. That's that's all it's about. It's not about a bowl. It's not about anything else but pride if for seniors to end their career on a high note, this season to end well, and, and just momentum going into the offseason. So I think that, that that's what it should be used for. This is a pride game, and this is a game that's going to springboard them, hopefully into something that's been better than what uh, the product that's been on the field these last two seasons because I refuse to believe that, uh, that, that we're – we're this bad as we looked the last couple of years. So uh, I'm looking for the guys to come out and prove that they do deserve to be on this level. They do deserve to be division one football players and they do deserve to uh, compete in the ACC. So as long as these guys are, or it doesn't matter what they're talking about X's and O's. These rivalry games are never about X's and O's. It's never about someone being out coached. It's all the ways about people being outplayed. It's about the, the it's about the stars and the, and the starters and the, and the people who are, 
key on offense and defense doing what they're supposed to do and maybe a, a role a role guy or a guy who doesn't usually have big games to come through and step up and make something happen that's usually the difference uh in these rivalry games so um i think no matter what the the coaches draw up it's up to the players to go out and execute and like you guys have said you know nc state has kind of relished playing that spoiler role against carolina the heels have that opportunity this year let's hope that they take advantage and can pull off an upset the spread is only six and a half so you know this one might surprise some fans guys we'll go ahead and wrap this one up thank you again for talking to me we'll talk next week and kind of just summarize the season go from there all right oh hey and good news yes they did for everyone listening on probably friday the you know Duke basketball team that could apparently beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, according to some, um, lost to Gonzaga. So shed a tear for whatever the ESPN talking heads are possibly going to have to bring up now. Maybe or Gonzaga we, can beat the Cavs. <laughs> or, or Cleveland sports are always the pro teams that are that they, that people say that some Division One college team can beat. Bama can beat the Browns, and Duke can beat the can beat the uh, Cavs. Yeah, right. See you guys later. Goodbye. All right. (laughs) See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. 